once again, I'm kind of, I'm not torn. I know what I'm going to do, but um, I'm going to veer a little bit away from what I had studied for because during worship, the Lord, Lord took me from the story I was going to tell you that goes along with what I was going to teach you all the way back to where he's taken me. So I'm going to do a little bit of storytelling if y'all are okay with that. Um, and, uh, true storytelling. <laughs> but it's, part, it's my story and, and it's, it's amazing not because of me but because of how the Holy Spirit worked through all of it. So um, we're going to, we may get to this. I hope, I hope we get to some of it. But if not, it's okay because um, I'm just listening. <laughs> so what I want to talk about that kind of went along with what, what I was talking about here is how we're R&D. We've talked about R&D before. We're receive and distribute. We're receive and distribute church. Uh, we, don't, we don't name it, claim it. We don't fight for it or push for it. We receive from the Lord and then we distribute, right? It's pretty simple. And, but we, we do partake in it. We're a part of it. We're not just fire hoses. <laughs> we, we actively participate in it. But at the same time, it's not by our power. It's by His that we can do that. And you, you get that? So in order to illustrate this, I'm giving you kind of behind the scenes. But in order to illustrate this, I was thinking of, I've been working a lot lately with my regular job, my secular job. And one of the things that we just did and I hope not to bore you with too many details, so I'll try to run through it. But what I do is I sell paint equipment. I sell to Mass Aviation out at, at Brooklyn Field to paint the airplanes. We sold them all their paint equipment to paint those airplanes. And that's what I do. I've done it for the last two and a half years with this company. I spent about 18 years at a uh, local paint manufacturer doing lots of things. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, So that's what I do. Well, uh, there's a John Deere in Thibodeau, Louisiana that we sold some paint equi- equipment to. And what happened was um, this company... Obviously, paints big John Deere equipment, right? And what they do is, uh, <laughs> we may have to edit all this out. I don't know if I can say all these names of companies and stuff. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, what they do is they paint all these big pieces of equipment. I'll try to use more generic terms. Big pieces of equipment, and uh, they had several different colors. Well, we sold them a, two, two or three systems two or three years ago, the company I'm with now. And uh, this new technology came out that could save on waste. Well, we asked them if they were interested in that because they obviously want to minimize waste, paint thinners and things like that. Um, they cost a lot of money to get rid of. They're harmful, obviously, VOCs. It costs them money. Even the government will come down on them because of the VOCs, the volatile things in the air, and all the paint thinners. So, like I said, I don't mean to bore you too much, but we, have a, we had a new system that, that this manufacturer offered that could save them a lot on waste, okay? Um, and so they, we basically gave them contracts, said, hey, we have this new system. Are you interested in it? Yes, we're interested in it. Went back and forth. Said, okay, we will demo this equipment in your facility, and if you like it and, it's, and it does what we say it'll do, you'll buy it. Basically, that's what we said. They said, sure. And they wanted us to save them at least 40% in waste. Pretty, pretty straightforward. If you save us 40% in waste, we'll buy this piece of equipment. It's a pretty expensive piece of equipment. So we, in, in the process of negotiating that, their engineers looked at it. We gave them an, an ROI, return on investment. We gave that to them, and they looked it over and they said, there's no way that y'all can do this. There's no way that you can save. I need to see how y'all are coming up with this. You're not going to be able to save us 40%. There's, this doesn't make any sense. And so we went back and forth and got with the manufacturer, and we said, no, we can. When it was all said and done, we installed the equipment, saved them almost 75% in waste. It's pretty amazing. And they bought that, and then they bought two more <laughs> right after that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, unfortunately, it's not my account yet, <laughs> so I didn't get any of that commission, but it, it go along with the story. It is going to be my account next year, which is which is kind of where I'm wanting to go with this. Yes, it's going to be really cool. Um, but having said that, that's kind of how 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 can I say I'm I'm not a good salesman in the traditional sense. I mean, I'm really not. I'm not pushy. I mean, I get excited sometimes, but not all the time. And I'm not real pushy. And I don't try to force people to buy things, especially things they don't need. When I first heard. 
the term salesman, I thought I never want to be that. And then even when it, the opportunity was given to me at the last company to be a salesman, I thought, I don't want to be a slimy salesman. <laughs> you know, they're all liars and they're all, you know. I mean, that's what I thought. And, uh, but I met a few Christian salesmen that weren't that way, that they were genuinely caring. They, they wanted to help people. And so that's what got me involved in that. Well, here's the crazy thing. Let's back up. We're going to back up to the, the company that I worked with, uh, the paint manufacturing company. I started um, not long out of high school. I was there 18 years and worked in a warehouse. Basic job. I had gotten in some trouble, dropped out of high school, got arrested, <laughs> just messed up, and was trying to figure, was still trying to figure things out. I wasn't saved at this point. Started working at this company for about two years. And I was just trying to make a living, honestly. I was doing, uh, how can I say, the, the least amount without getting fired. Has anybody had, had a job like that or currently have a job like that? <laughs> I was doing the least amount to not get fired, basically. And, and, you know, I did okay. I worked. It was basically a manual job where I loaded a lot of stuff on pallets. We rode around on rabbits, not like hippie hoppy rabbits, but they were like electric forklifts. We called them rabbits. Every time I say that, people, you rode rabbits? <laughs> that sounds amazing. But they were these little machines that you go around and, and uh, load stuff on. So it was just manual labor, basically. Um, and we loaded on the truck. So I did that for several years. Um, and at that, at that point in my life, I really thought, you know, my goals were to not get in trouble anymore, not get arrested. Not, you know, I didn't, have, I didn't have really high aspirations, to be honest. I just wanted to make money and not get fired. That was my aspirations at that point. Two, three years into that job, most of you know the story. My friend Jarrett, now friend, wasn't then, uh, began to uh, speak to me about the Lord and witness to me in a way that no one had ever done before, which was more relationally, which got to know me, and we talked and figured things out. And through, his, through that relationship... I ended up coming to a salvation experience maybe a year and a half after that. Um, now, after that, there were several years there that I was ecstatic, you know, on fire for God. Uh, many of you remember your first several weeks after being saved. I was just excited and happy. Um, not that I'm not now, but th there was just that, that newlywed kind of thing where I'm, all this is new. So that went on for several years. I'm trying to give you the shortest version of this that I can. went on for several years. And then... What happened was, after that, trans that transformation in my life, my work life changed. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? Not even intentionally, it just did. At the time, I had a boss that was really rude and mean to us. He belittled us a lot, and he had kind of a, uh, kind of a complex where, I don't want to call it complex, but he, he, um, he was just really mean. Anyway, over time, we got in a lot of arguments, a lot of fights and stuff, and over time, after I got saved, I began to see more of who he was as a person and not who he was as my adversary, I guess. Um, and so I began to see how hurt he was and how he didn't have any friends and how he took out a lot of his insecurities on us. And I began to see things that I'd never seen before, and I began to pray for him. Um, I also didn't like working for him, but I still began to pray for him. Um, and I realized that maybe there's more for me. Maybe I'm capable of more than just doing manual labor. Not that there's anything wrong with manual labor. So I began to, the Lord began to open my eyes to that. But at the time, I was still where I was, right? I was still doing this job, but I, was, I started doing it better. I started caring about it. Like, I really started to do a better job. I didn't, I didn't cut corners. I didn't, you know, go hide in the corner and just hang out and, you know, goof off or something. They didn't, we didn't have phones back then, or I probably would have been just messing around. I actually cared about my job and tried to do a better job. Um, and in doing so, as uh, I thought I had a pretty good job opportunity, and I told a friend of mine there, well, I didn't realize he told the plant manager. Plant manager came to me and said, hey, we don't want to lose you. You're a good employee, which he wouldn't have said three years before that. He's like, well, you're a really good employee. We want to hang on to you. If, if you're interested, I can move you to another department to where maybe you can move up in the company. And I thought, okay, I probably don't want to stay here. I'm just ready to get out. But in the meantime, I'll do that. 
until I can find this other, make sure this other job's going to work out. So he gave me an opportunity to move to two different departments. I moved to the spray shop, which is working on equipment instead of just paint. So it was just an equipment area. Literally just worked on equipment, took it apart and put it together, fixed things, which I'm, I like doing. I was hands-on. I grew up working on cars. Good opportunity for me to, to kind of put those skills to use. Same thing. It was dirty, paint thinner, paint. It was nasty. But I did the best job I could, and I thought, you know, there's other places that do this. I want to do a better job. So I would go. There was like uh, tips on the guns that most people didn't clean. And it wasn't part of the repair estimate, but I would always clean the guns really well because I knew these painters painted with them and they needed clean guns. And, and I knew other places didn't do that. And I thought, I'm going to do something a little bit better. I'm not going to charge them anything. It doesn't take me much longer to soak, and I'm going to do this. So anyway, little things like that were all expressions of the Holy Spirit that was in me. I didn't really fully see it then, but I was just happy to do the job. And so worked about a year and a half doing that. In the meantime, they sent me to, and this is cool. I'm getting somewhere with this, so bear with me. They flew me to Minneapolis to go to a school in Minneapolis to learn to work on spray equipment, even though I'd done it for about a year and knew it all, or thought I knew it all. Um, but they sent me to school, and while I was in school up there in Minneapolis, there's a large group of people in these classes. Most of them were going out and kind of partying and doing some pretty rough things in the afternoons. I met this guy named Chuck. Um, young, he was younger than me, and uh, he kind of he had a strong southern accent. He was kind of rednicky, I guess, compared to me. Um, so, and he listened to country music and that kind of stuff. So we didn't see everything the same way, but he was a Christian. <laughs> yeah, he was a Christian, and, and somehow it came up. I don't know how, um, but we began to talk about the Lord and different things anyway. So we hung out the whole time. We went to like Mall of Americas and rode roller coasters and did childish things and just had fun. Um, and, and so anyway, got to know him. It was really good. We're going to stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we didn't. <laughs> and so after that, several years, I can't remember how many years, several years went by, lots of years. Um, I became the manager of that department, the spray department, uh, after about two years, I think it was, I became the manager of that department. Um, turned the whole, not to toot my own horn, but turned that whole department around. Um, fixed a lot of issues, lowered inventory, gained the company a lot of profit. They were very happy with me. Um, all of this comes from the change that happened in my life. This wasn't just me. Um, I, thankfully, the Lord gifted me to do those things. Um, but all this happened, and I moved up, and I was in management, and I um, took care of this department, changed it, and made things better, cleaned it up, did a good job, controlling inventory, boosting profits, all that good stuff. Uh, so then my boss at the time left, a new boss came in, and he offered me an outside sales position. He said, look, um, you're, you're never going to make, he was, a, he was a good Christian, he was one of the good Christian salesmen I told you that encouraged me. He said, you're never going to make a ton of money here. Uh, the only way you'll make money is in outside sales. Would you be, you seem like you would be a good fit for outside sales. Um, and I thought to myself, really? Um, and so he said, yeah, I think you'd be a good fit. Would you be interested in that? And I said, well, sure, I'd like to make more money. Um, and so he, he offered me that opportunity. I took it, did that for a few years, did really well there too. Uh, doubled my territory within two years, uh, grew that territory. Um, awesome, the Lord just blessed, blessed me there. And then we had new management come in and changed everything dramatically <laughs> and did things not the same way that I did things and treated me much, much worse than that first boss did. Uh, and I don't know, Tracer remembers, she was like, you can just quit and go work at McDonald's. You got to get out of there because you're driving me nuts. Because <laughs> I was just so frustrated at the end of the day. I was like, I'm just, I can't deal with this. The guy was kind of bipolar and just would go off and cuss me out and just get upset with me all the time. I was like, strange. So anyway, so I thought, at that point, I'm 18 years invested in this company, right? All I know is paint and paint equipment. What else am I going to do? I'm not going to college. I don't have any other formal education. Um, I know the Lord will take care of me, but I really, 
really struggled with that. Like I, it was kind of an identity thing. Like, Lord, what are you doing here? I, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? The opportunity wasn't here to go into full-time ministry yet because I wanted that too. But I was like, I don't know what to do. And I was really freaking out. Um, God, it's crazy how the Lord worked all this out. Just thinking about it. <clears throat> it is. <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> so I get an opportunity to work with this cryogenics company, and they need some 2K equipment, which is poor, poor component equipment. It mixes the paints together. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and we can't sell it. Mobile, uh, the company I was with can't sell it. I'm trying to keep trying to say that, not sell the names. The company I'm with can't sell it, so I have to go through another company. So I call this other company, and that guy sends their salesman down, and guess who it is? It's Chuck. <laughs> yeah. And Chuck's like, hey, man, you remember me? He called me up, and I was like, what's your name? He said, Chuck. And I was like, yeah, from Minneapolis? He was like, yeah. And he said, well, I'm going to come down. We're going to look at this company and see if we can help them. But, you know, you want to get lunch? And I said, sure, we need to catch up. So we get lunch, and I begin to tell him about all the issues I'm having at work. And, uh, and he's like, man, it's crazy. He said, because we're growing. <laughs> and, and my territory goes all the way down here, but I rarely get time to come down here. I come down here like once a quarter, and there's lots of opportunities down here that we could seize. Um, if, if I wasn't stretched so thin, uh, this might be a perfect fit. And I thought, whoa, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see if it'll work out. So he said, here's my boss's number. Call him and talk to him. Talk to his boss. Super great guy. Smaller company. I was scared to go to a bigger company because sometimes they're cutthroat. Smaller company, like 21 employees, been in business for years. Same, same thing that I'm familiar with, paint equipment. I was like, well, seems too good to be true. Talked to them, had several meetings, and, and it was just perfect. It was a perfect fit. And... Uh, so anyway, I, I took that position there, gave him, gave him a two, week, two weeks' notice. Two weeks' notice with another company. Uh, anyway, nothing against that company. It just didn't work out for the... Anyway, so, so then fast forward a little bit now, and I'm thinking of this analogy of this company that I'm working for now and, and actually making a, a decent living at. Um, and next year, now Chuck is going to be the industrial sales manager over me, and I'm going to get all of his accounts south of Montgomery. And Chuck was the top salesman for the last four years. And a great guy, awesome Christian guy. Um, yeah. And it's not something I earned or worked for. I'm just, they're just giving them to me. And these are big accounts. These are good accounts. Um, not to mention the big mass aviation uh, um, the Airbus account deal. They couldn't have got that without me, and I couldn't have got it without them. Because we were the only local representation. They had four other people bid that project. And the only reason it worked out was because it, God kind of worked it all out. It was pretty cool. Anyway. Awesome stuff. So the reason I want to tell you all that is because during worship, I wanted to tell you just a story about the most recent part of that um, because the Holy Spirit did all that stuff without me. (laughs) I was involved. I'm not saying I wasn't involved. But how awesome is that? I mean, that's amazing. And I think about how far, I want to say how far I've come, but how far, he's, how far he's taken me. Because I look at my beautiful wife and my 13-year-old daughter, um, and I just remember the days that I really felt worthless. I mean, genuinely thought I would never amount to anything, and my goals were not to get fired <laughs> and uh, not get arrested. <laughs> I mean, those, those thoughts are so foreign to me now. 
but were very real to me back then. How good is God? And how powerful is this Holy Spirit we've been talking about? The reason I tell you all this is I don't want you to take it lightly. We, I know I kind of sound like a broken record. But I really feel like this is what the Lord is saying to our church. And, and maybe more. Um, that we, we have to see this Holy Spirit that is with us. We have to see it. This is, this is not just theology and ideas and quote-unquote Christianity and religion. This is an active relationship that you have with Holy Spirit. And what happens is He does things sometimes without us even knowing. And I want to be as close to that as possible. And I want you to be as close to that as possible. The reason we do all these, these outreaches and stuff is, is for that reason. It's so that you can hear from the Holy Spirit. Not just through me, although you can hear him through me, and I'm, I'm fine being that vessel. But I want you to hear him for yourself, and sometimes it takes doing some things. And sometimes it takes moving a little bit. Now, at this point, I don't know how well this is going to go along with this, but I, I will at least run through part of it. Um, and it will. It'll go along with it because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It can't, it can't not go along with it. That's not very good. That's in its structure, but whatever. All right. First John 3.16. Not John 3.16, but First John 3.16. I could tell you more, I promise you, but I'd probably cry the whole time, of, of how Holy Spirit worked through all that. That was a brief version. There was much more happening there. But the, it's just an awesome testimony, and sometimes we just need to hear it. I needed to hear it. hope you did. All right. First John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Now here's what's interesting. He follows actions with rest. How's that work? He's telling us don't just love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. The only way we can do that is if we rest in the Holy Spirit that is within us. We have to know who we are in order to share this great thing that we have. It's how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Verse 20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from Him anything we ask. Because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Now, immediately everybody goes, okay, well, there we go. A lot of people that, that, that want to talk about um, law versus grace and all that. Well, yeah, you've got to keep his commands. <laughs> but if you keep reading, <laughs> some of you giggle because you can see it coming. And this is his command, to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us to. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him. And he in them. I'll say that again. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. That's a miracle. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by what? By the Spirit he gave us. 
Do not take this lightly. I feel like the church, by and large, has neglected the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I don't say that lightly. I, just, I kind of flippantly said that. But this is something I've been feeling for a long time. And not intentionally. I don't think this has been an intentional thing. I just think that we are, can be a, a bit spoiled, especially in the West over here. We've got access to so many things, and we are very intelligent. Um, and that's good. I'm glad we're intelligent. But sometimes we can lean more heavily on our intelligence than we can the Holy Spirit. And it's an easy thing to do within our culture, I think, I believe. We, we can, and me included, we can be distracted in leaning on our own understanding than leaning on the Holy Spirit and letting Him lead us. It's, it's humbling and, 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 and is a, a direct blow at our ego. It really is to say, Holy Spirit, you lead me and I'm going to go where you tell me to go. That's a, that's a huge thing, but it's very necessary, I think. So how do we keep his commands? Holy Spirit, right? It said it right there because the spirit that dwells in us. What prompts us into actions? Holy Spirit, right? It said it right there. How are we at rest in his presence? Because the Holy Spirit that lives in us. How do we have, how do we have confidence before God? This Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does many things. Uh, one of the coolest things he does, he sets us free uh, from, from performance-based living and, and religion and, uh, and sin. <laughs> Galatians 5, this is the message version. I just like this version. Um, they're all good, but uh, uh, Eugene Peterson does a good job here, I think, in, in speaking this out in his, his colorful language. Galatians 5 says, uh, Christ, has, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone uh, put a harness of slavery on you. I'm empathetic about this. The moment anyone, any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment Christ, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all, all the advantages, now listen to this, the wording, all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of a slave, uh, for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens when you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects. You are cut off from Christ, you fall out of grace. Now he's not saying that you are not saved anymore, that you lose your salvation, but he is saying you're, you're by doing so, you're ignoring the very thing that gives you the power to do the thing you want to do. Does that make sense? Amen. By doing so, you're ignoring the Holy Spirit, the only thing that can allow you to do the things that you want to do. By trying to do them on your own, you're negating the thing that gives you the power to do it. Amen. Ugh. Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship. That's, comfort that's comforting words to someone with anxiety or with relationship issues. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. How satisfied and how at peace we are when we're, we're moving with the Holy Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion, religion or disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. Now this, I think a big fear with, uh, 
with, with preaching a message like this of how close the Holy Spirit is to us is that we begin to sound more New Age or uh, more like universalism or anything like that because we're looking inward. You know, that terminology can, can sound that way. You're looking inward. But it's not when you're looking inward at the Holy Spirit and, and knowing where it comes from. I think it's more important that we know these with us than trying to look far away and, and think that we're on our own. So I'm not afraid of that. And you all know I'm not a universalist, meaning I don't, I don't think everybody just, God's so good that, that everybody just comes because he's good. He is so good that he wants everybody to come, but we still make that decision, that, that we still have to accept that gift. How, this just reminded me of a conversation we had the other night. Um, how many of you have ever heard, uh, we, or heard that uh, the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is only unpardonable sin? You've heard that before? And it's true, it's in Scripture. If you read it there too, how many, how many of you ever took that or have been told that like you can't say you know, God's name and a cuss word together, that's like, and then you, you're unpardoned. Have you ever heard that? that I, always, I used to think that. I was like, as long as I don't say those words, I'm good. Like, <laughs> like all other sins are pardonable except for that. And I literally, like up until a week ago, never really gave it a second thought. Not like I still believe that. But I always thought, well, as long as I don't speak badly. But here's what's interesting. What he's really talking about there is if you're against, there, that, that's the only way to get to God is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he's just saying if you go against that, obviously you're not going to make it. <laughs> it's not going to work out very well for you. And it's, it's, un, it's unforgivable because you haven't accepted its forgiveness. And I just, I just always think, well, just don't say those words and I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Everything else is pardonable. But what he's saying is you, you can't negate the very thing that gives you this great gift, this very life that we have, this new life. So, anyway, I kind of ramble there, but one more and, and we'll close. I'm not going to go through all the rest of it. One more, I'll, I'll, we'll kind of close with this. It's Paul talking to the Corinthians, it's in 2 Corinthians. Um, it's just talking about the Holy Spirit giving us power. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Uh, and this is back to NIV again. Uh, therefore, I bounce around a lot. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. People talk about grace winking, winking at sin. What a slap in the face. It says right there, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. Grace is power. Grace is the very power that, that, that gives us the ability to overcome sin, that frees us from the slavery of sin. Grace, grace doesn't wink at sin, it destroys it. It kicks it in the teeth. Don't, don't ever make the mistake in thinking that, that, that grace is some license to sin. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Grace is Christ. Grace is not some new idea or some, some new way of living. Grace is the Holy Spirit. And grace is very powerful. It says it right there. For my power, His grace, my power is made perfect in weakness. So where you're weak, He comes in and makes you strong. So here's the cool thing about that. Paul goes through all this stuff, but he, he speaks of something specifically here. Now, I know, and this is something I've struggled with especially recently. I know that God is very mysterious, and I know that I can't fully understand everything, but I seek to understand as much as I can. 
And though we've seen, we've seen God heal and we've seen um, things not work out the way we wanted them to uh, in our, from our perspective, right? I don't, make, I don't make any whatever bones about that. But I think what Paul is saying here, though all these miracles have happened, he also is left with a thorn in his side, something that really bothers him. And something that, that he really feels is, is bringing him down. And Christ says, I'll make that weakness strong. This is our dependency on him. This is why it's so, it's so important that we know this Holy Spirit is with us. Because his power is made through that Holy Spirit. It's made known to us in our weakness. And so the times when, and from my perspective, I feel like things didn't go the way that I wanted them to go, I find comfort in that. I find comfort in knowing that God, I don't understand this and I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of upset about it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not going to denounce you and I'm not going to stop worshiping you. I know you're good. I know that even my frustrations and the way that I can't fully comprehend your plans, I know that you can, you can even be strong in those areas. Where I think that that makes me weak, you can bring, that, you can bring strength out in that. Listen, as we... As we go into the new year, I'm, 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 I've been traveling a lot this past week, and so I've been thinking a lot. And if you've seen some of my posts on Facebook, some of the things I want to do um, I think are very important. And the reason I think they're important is, and I talked to Bill about this, we're going to shoot some videos. If you haven't seen it yet, we're going to, do, we're going to try to do one a month. Um, and I want to hear y'all's stories. There's power in your testimony. And it would be awesome to have you up here say it, but it'd even be better if we can video it and let more people see it that may not come through these doors. And and uh, uh, Robert, I don't think Robert's here today, but uh, not Robert Perez, but the other Robert. He said he didn't have a cool story or something, but he'd be glad to help any way they could. And I commented on there, I was like, everybody's got a cool story. You may not think it's cool, but you don't know who might need to hear it. And I'll say that to all of you guys too. Um, We'll try to do one, one a month. I mean, if you absolutely don't want to do it, that's fine. But I think all of you should do it. I think, it, I think it'll be beneficial that people need to hear your story. And we'll edit it down the best we can to about two or three minutes because nobody has attention spans anymore with technology. But I'll never forget this. I heard Reinhard Bonnke say this at Jesus Culture one year. We went to Chicago. And he said, uh, he said everybody talks about social media that's so bad and it spreads all this bad stuff and da-da-da. And he said, when I saw it, I, I scrolled through just a few times. <laughs> and he said... It's a pulpit. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and, I, and I never forgot that. So, something so simple. How amazing is this? We've got an audience that we can, we can speak to that may never come through these doors. I mean, I hope they do, but who knows? This is why we do podcasts. This is why we, we're going to do these testimonies. This is why we do these outreaches. We're going to do more of these. And I'm going to continue to do because I feel like that's where we are. That's what the church should be. And we need to be helping people. And listen, there was... There was a time when I didn't under, fully understand how, how this Christian life worked. <laughs> um, I was very limited on my knowledge. I'd just gotten saved. I'd lived my own way for so many years. But there was, it was Servapalooza when we first started going to the, this church on Government Boulevard. I went downtown with, uh, with Lonnie. We split into four groups. Went with uh, Lonnie and his group. And I'll never forget that that. I understand what it is now, another Holy Spirit thing. I understand what it is now. Then I didn't fully comprehend what was happening. But something, was ha- something happened to me that day. I went downtown and we were just loving people and praying for them and hugging them. 
And it seemed very normal to us now, but to me that was not very normal. I hadn't done that. I shook your hand. <laughs> I didn't hug a lot. Um, <laughs> Bill, you remember. Bill remembers. Because uh, we, we went to a, another, another church before this, and, and uh, it was just different. But I remember I went with Tracy on this uh, family reunion thing that I didn't want to go to. <laughs> but it got me away from everything, and I just prayed and got in, got in the Word. And, and uh, all I knew was, I want to do the stuff. I want to do the stuff we keep talking about. When are we going to do the stuff? <laughs> I want to do this stuff. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to do some more stuff. I want to do the things that I see in the scriptures. I don't think we just need to talk about it on Wednesdays and Sundays. I think we need to do the stuff. Um, and like I said, I had no idea what that meant. The Holy Spirit ran me into Bill, sitting in Indian style in the middle of the road, taking pictures. And uh, I said, hey, let's go get lunch. We got lunch. And he said, hey, I started going to this church, Deeper Life. You should check it out. They do, they do these servant evangelism things. And I was like, what is that? Came a couple Sundays, and like the second or third Sunday, they had this Palooza thing. And uh, it was exactly what I needed and exactly what the Holy Spirit was leading me towards. And God used all that and used Bill and used Lonnie and used this church. And something broke in me that day. I loved people. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask them. I didn't even ask them about salvation. I didn't take them down the Roman road. <laughs> um, I didn't... I didn't ask them if they fully understood. I didn't fully understand exactly what was happening. I just loved them. I just loved them. And it, it broke me. Like it changed something in me. Some of them, just like me, thought they didn't deserve love. So, I'm telling you, and I want to encourage you, and I'll continue harping on this until, uh, until God tells me not to. When we start uh, January, I've already talked. Katie's going to hit the ground running with the children's home. Um, I've talked to Lonnie about uh, getting getting with him and Dawn on on some outreaches with them. Um, we're gonna we're gonna really go after this, and it's not it's not just things to keep you busy. It's not things to try to grow our church. It's that the, there's a world out there that needs to hear the message of the the gospel, the good news. Yeah. And if we're not going to do it, what's the point? I'm not gonna. I'm not just gonna come here on Sunday and preach, and and you guys go good. You know, I mean, I hope you say good job, Justin. But just say good job, good job, Justin, and we're done. This is where we gather to figure out how we're gonna do more out there. Amen. And I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so you guys stand up with me. We're gonna pray. Uh, oh, I cried more than I expected. <laughs> oh Father you are good yes. you're so good Holy Spirit uh, I just speak directly to you right now Father have your way in our lives as we leave this place as we go about our day open our eyes to our family open our eyes to that one person that, that, that needs to hear your good news through us Open our eyes that, that we need to be willing vessels to receive what you have for us and distribute it to those around us. Father, remind us that that's who we are and that's what we're designed to be. And we will be the happiest in that position. Though we may feel uncomfortable a little bit at first because it's a little counterintuitive to our culture. But God, it's very natural to our new lives. It's very natural to, to who, 
who you've made us to be now, currently. Holy Spirit, just just, um, highlight people in our lives. And open our eyes to divine appointments right now. I, I just hear the Lord saying that, that um, mm, this uh, doesn't go along with what I was praying, but here we go. Uh, there's, uh, there's someone that's been hurt. I just feel like he's speaking directly to someone that's been hurt. And, uh, and he just wants to say that that's, that's not from him. Uh, that that, uh, that he wants to feel that that place where you've been hurt, and uh, and he's gonna he's gonna use that. Uh, he's gonna use that to strengthen you in boldness, and he's gonna use that to to uh, to speak to to many people. Uh, I, I see uh, I see many people, <laughs> so I don't know what that means. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, if that's you, if he's speaking to your heart right now and you've been hurt, deeply hurt, um, you're, you're going to hear from the one who, who makes all things new and fills all things in every way. And if you, if you thought that hurt was bad, wait till the healing comes. And it's available right now, so, so receive that, whoever that is. I don't know who that's for, but receive that. He's going he's gonna to abundantly overflow you with goodness in that place where you've been hurt and he's going to heal it and you, you're going to be like <laughs> you're going to be like me one day and years down the road you're going to go I, that's so foreign to me that hurt is so foreign to me thank you Father for your word thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us Lord help us to continue to do that that we will continue to uh, to receive and distribute your glory in Jesus holy name Amen. Amen.